Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey, pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to part two this week of our uh, two-part series with Michael Goulian. Uh We kind of finish up our Red Bull Air Race talk and then we get into some national uh, talk for uh, 2022. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, That's why he was trying to shave everything off his airplane, didn't he? Well, he but his, crazy his, airplane, his airplane weighed nothing. nothing. Yeah, he, he went like real crazy with the weight. 60, 60 pounds lighter than my airplane. Yeah. 60? 60. Holy crap. Yeah, the difference between a V2 and a V3 was a lot. Holy crap. There was a lot. That's crazy. I wish Edge still made airplanes, man. I mean, by far, I think that they have produced, as far as carbon fiber work, if you ever anybody gets a chance to go see an Edge and look under the cowl and see the cow, carbon fiber work, it's, incre- it's incredible. It really kind of yeah. makes extra look a little shoddy. Kind of I, I, I loved I loved um, the airplane. It's like a pit special with one wing, right? It, it is very home-built-y. Uh, it's very raw. It's like you get in yeah. an extra and you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in a Mercedes. Yeah. Right. Ballet. <laughs> um, compared, compared to that thing. And, um, but like that airplane, it never let us down. Every time it turned the key, it started on the first blade. Right. And we'd, you'd take it apart in Abu Dhabi and you'd send it to Japan and you'd put it together and you hook up the battery. You turn the key and you go out and test fly it. And you're like, eh, it's perfect. Just like it was like on the other side of the world. Let's start yeah, racing. Yeah. You just don't have to tweak it, it, no re-rigging. It just was like, it was just a perfect plane. Like, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Is that why you never tried uh, MX? So, my very first race was in an MX. But, I mean, people you, don't know you, that. Was that Nigel's? No, it was a No, green one. so, I was the very first, I flew the prototype. So through a pylon. I did. Destroyed the ver- the, a pylon. The, <laughs> oh, that's the very, right. The very first really big pylon hit was stupid me. Uh, I showed up in Abu Dhabi in my first race in an MX2, which nobody had ever seen before. And I, I think I was like third. Including you. I think in, yeah, fly yeah. like an hour. <laughs> in, third, in third in practice. And I'm like, I'm just going to do great. And then, you know, the next thing you know, I smashed a pylon with the entire airplane. What um, a great picture, though. Yeah, it's a good, it was a good <laughs> shot. It was a good yeah. shot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh, God, there's so much to talk about with the whole race thing. But, like, again, like, the airplane and all of that stuff, I, I don't – I think knowing now what I know is probably if you had a top seven or eight airplane, that's all you needed. Most of it was with the pilot on the and the team, right? Like, yeah. you could spend $4 million on, on winglets, but if you're a head case, you weren't going to win. Right. And well, yeah, so, that's like, you know, with Bonham, like, you know, the guy's smooth as smooth as glass. And that's right. That's like almost a risk when you like for Juan Velarde to buy his airplane, because like, it's just going to exaggerate. Yeah, it's going to exaggerate. Well, it's going to be the plane or the pilot. Yeah. We're going to yeah. find out in the first race. And um, yeah, it just Paul was showed so him. dominant. Oh, God. Yeah, he was really good. And I like yeah. that he stayed on with the air race. And he, I thought he was a great commentator. He was. Yeah, he was great, and they, they, yeah, they had so much to to do there, and um, and Nick Fellows was also good. again Nick Fellows, the the British commentator that 
The key guy actually comes from the comes I from wish the he would do air world, show right? commentating. Yeah, he's right? awesome. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's Can great. you get him to do no. your voiceover? You Say that again. Do your voiceover. I, I tried it. Your... No, I I actually I tried, and it's not as easy it as work? it looks. It's not as easy oh. as it looks. Yeah, we tried. I, he's so entertaining. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, yeah. Back to the racing. So like, so seventeen. So you got this whole um, psychologist thing going, and it's working. Um, and um, what should we call it? What were the the other teams like were they trying to distract you was there any head games going on in the pits like that like were um, really televised yeah like a little i would think so you know there's a pecking order in the hangar right so just like in nascar the people up the front get the first hangar and then it goes in chronological chronological yeah, yeah. order down right so you're always next to your the person that's right right you know, in front of you or in back of you in the series. And so like there wasn't really like Yoshi and I are super buddies and uh, Matt and I are also super buddies, but Matt was a pain in the ass. So like that jerk. So, you know, everything, (laughs) everything on race day and quality is down to a minute, right? Like, Hey, you push your plane out at 51, you're on the scale at 54, you're going to push out at 57 and then on oh, the wow. hour, you got to push on it. Like, cause it's a television show, right? So like yeah. there's no, it runs to the minute. And then if there's a pylon hit, they start yelling on the radio to Mel to, um, to um, Emily, my team coordinator, they start updating the times. So they will be like Janka, you know, Oh three, Oh nine and 15 and hall, you know, this, this, that, Ghoulie, wow. and this, that. so they keep updating it as the race goes. And so they don't, they can't get out of, out of time. It's super so, interesting. I wish that we would have seen that happening because that's, to yeah. me, that's so entertaining. So, um, so that we were, we were behind Matt. So Matt might've been first <laughs> and we were second or we were, Matt was second and we were third or whatever. But I remember we were behind Matt and, that jackass was supposed to push out to go to the scale and he yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't push at his time. And so I was like, I can remember my team's like, what do we do? I'm like, F that guy, just go to the scale. So we pushed to the scale and got in front of yeah. him and then we made him wait. And then he was late yeah. getting to the grid, right? Like, so there was little things like that. And I don't know whether Matt did that on purpose or not, but like, I'm not going <laughs> to, like, I have my plan. Matt's not going to wreck my plan. So whether sure. he's in there, like, <laughs> adjusting his underwear, I don't want to know. I don't care. If he thinks it's going to screw with my head, it's not. So, like, just yeah. go. So we just pushed around him, right? But in the yeah. end, no, again, like everybody's so good and um like everybody was amazing at that whole thing and there wasn't a lot of that there was there was definitely games being played with the airplanes and the hangars and oh yeah you know all of that kind of stuff and again so it's interesting you know another thing you realize is when when i would show up to the racetrack i would be poking in everybody's hangar trying to look <laughs> and see what they were doing Right. Like, oh, what did they do? And I'd tell the guy, oh, they did this and oh, they did that and oh, they did that. And, yeah. and then, but when we were really good, I was like, ah, 
I don't care what anybody else is doing. Now they're looking at me, right? Like that was looking at our team. And it was a very, and again, that was like a flip, right? That was a flip in, in, in psychology for us. Like it was a flip. I was like, I stopped watching everybody else. And I just worried about myself. I didn't care. Like, I didn't care if Matt Hall showed up with a PT six engine, like, good luck. I don't know, whatever. I like, all I can do is what I can do. Um, Yeah. Did you, you have anything it, like what were some of the things you had in the pipeline that, you know, obviously errors ended and, and um, we you know, didn't Re- really, honestly, we didn't, we would have, we, the airplane needed refinement. Like our airplane was built um, where to get the, get the plenum off the cowling off and the plenum off and stuff like that to change spark plugs to do things took way too much time. And like for us, it would have been refinements of the mechanical side of it. And then not so much. The plane was pretty set. And um, Paulo Iskold would say to the pilots, he's like, Mikey Groupie, you can't make the plane go faster. You can only make it go slower. And that's the truth, right? Like, and and then Steve Hall would say, Hey, he's like, Hey, the physics are the physics. Like it's only going to go so fast, but you know, you idiots that are pulling on the stick, you're the ones that are going to make it slower, right? So yeah. um, it was more better about did your, on me. Yeah, how much better did your flying get from from learning? I mean, I'm sure you learned, you got basically a doctorate in aerodynamics from being with the MIT guys. So how much better is, is your flying at the SC and, and air shows and aerobatics? Um, you know, you realize how much you don't know. And then you realize also like just practicing doesn't make you better. Yeah. Right. And and it's practicing in the right way and, and watching other people that are smarter than you and what you're doing and all of those things. So today I, you know, I try to watch a lot of people and, and I learned so much just talking to people on the ground uh, than I do, you know, having somebody tell me how to move the stick. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and realizing that total performance is, is a total commitment, not just in the sky. Can't go drink beer all day and then, or all night and then show up in the morning and try to go fly unlimited. Like it just doesn't work that way. Um, And, (laughs) and it's something that, you know, you can't start practicing 10 days before the nationals. You have to start practicing 10 months or 22 months or 30 months. Right. And, and, you know, you look at a guy like, Tom Brady and you're like, how the hell has he been so good for so long? Cause the guy's insanely disciplined. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, to maybe to the point of, of too much and like gave up his family for a, a game. Right. I don't know, yeah. but that's for a topic for another conversation. But when you look at that and so but he's a goat, he's definitely, a goat. he's definitely, yeah. And yeah. you know, and again, um, Literally at the end of 2018, I mean, this sounds like a huge exaggeration, but I was so mentally exhausted because I put every waking minute oh, of sure. every day into it. Like, and in 2019, we were nowhere as good as 2018. They changed the rules a little bit and did some things. We never caught up. And um, and I, literally, I think we were all exhausted from the effort of 2018. Yeah. Right? We just We just Would put you- that much effort into it. Interesting. How did you practice before a race? I know you we you mentioned about visualization techniques and and video and and blah blah. But in the airplane, th- th- what would you do? Would you just climb up so, altitude and just pretend? 
No, we did it. So again, like being G caught tolerant, even if it was in my extra being current in the plane. Um, and then I, I would say probably everybody had some kind of a simulation program, but like, as we talked about Steve Hall, he was the head of air and astrophysics for MIT. Jeez. And he was the guy that built our stuff and did all of our things. So he built, uh, we, we had a, our aerodynamic model, right? So we built our plane. Um, out of all of the data that we built. So we knew it's drag profiles, it's coefficients of everything. Like it, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about, but he spent it like hours like of matrix out. coming down. On yeah. The right. But what we had, a, we had a, we had an airplane and the simulation airplane that exactly mimicked my plane. So and he when would run we it through got, to race. He, well, when we got a racetrack, when we got a racetrack, it comes to it comes to us from Red Bull. There's the track with all the pylons and the coordinates and the headings of the gates and the whole thing. And Steve put them into Google Earth. And then oh we and then and so and then I had a view sitting in my airplane and we made 17 wind cases. So we had 17 different laps based upon the wind its direction. And then, but we spent most of the time, obviously, if we're going to go to Budapest, we know in August in Budapest, the wind is usually out of this direction at this velocity. And this is the average temperature. So we, we practiced most of it that, but I, I, we, and we had all the buildings. So we had the landmarks on the shoreline and everything. So like when I went through and I practiced that hundreds of times on the simulator, on my computer, just watching it at night in bed, sitting in my office, watching the, watching, running through the track. And then, so when I got to Budapest, we're like, oh yeah, there's the building that's on my thing. That's where my nose needs to be. Right. Yeah. So you've got there. And then also I would lay out the track in Red Bull cans in my hangar. And then with all of the boundaries and, and wind arrows and everything else. And when I went to the, when I went to work in the morning, I'd open the door, I'd drop my bag and I'd walk through the track. And then yeah. an hour later, I'd walk through the track again. I'd go to the bathroom. I'd walk through the track again and I would practice it. And it was on the floor. Um, and so when I got over to Budapest, like I knew every crack in the pavement and exactly everything. And it was all done. Uh, okay. And so, and then this was all plotted, all the G's, the side slip, all the, like the duration of the G, the peak of the G, the, the expected speed, all of that stuff was all made on a graph. So when the airplane flew, when I came back, they took a USB stick out, put it into the computer. Huh. And then that got sent to, oh, back home to Steve because Steve didn't travel with us. So it'd be four o'clock in the morning back in Boston in Cambridge and we're over in some other part of the world. So Pablo would take it, download it, send it to Steve. Steve would send it in a graph back to us. And then Pablo and Steve would have a, have a, a FaceTime call and they would talk about it. And again, I like that means nothing to me. So yeah. it's all just a bunch of graphs and stuff like this. And then Pablo would turn it into pilot talk. Because so Steve traveled with us for a while and it didn't work. Like he would be like, hey, between gate seven and eight, I need you to be three degrees more to the left. And I want you to pull one eighth of a G more. Like that didn't mean anything That's to me. It was all possible. like, it's just yeah. a computer, right? And we're human beings. Like, Steve, I can't do that. I'm a human, right? So um, 
It I'm was the interesting, telling, Steve. <laughs> yeah, like I'm the idiot. Steve was the one that's Steve was the one that started calling me the meat servo, right? And so it was very it was very interesting. So when we we had like a this triangle where the bottom line was flat, and then there was a, a, a you know an angled line, and the point of the angle is race day. And the beginning of the of the big gap of the of the entrance of, to this triangle is like is flight number one. And what we do is wow. we say all of the learning happens here. And every flight that we do, we get to be let we do less and less learning. So basically, we say out here we're learning. Here you're an athlete. Right. So on race day, we could even learn a little bit in qualification. Yeah. We did a little learning in quality because it was kind of practice still. But then race day was just up to me. So but then when Pablo and I, we worked it out where like we would only try to fix three things on any flight. So he's like, I want you to do this. I want you to feel like you're doing that. I want you. So we tried to fix all of the major things, but only three at a time. And that's when I, when I watch an aerobatic person get critiqued and like, uh, you're a little positive up, you overrolled, you torque the hammerhead, you're a little negative tech down, your radius is on. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Got it. Right. Like, <laughs> huh? And like, as opposed, as opposed, as opposed to an aerobatic coach who would yeah. say, we're going to work on positioning this flight. Right. Like what I want is down low, in front, tight. Like it doesn't matter what the maneuvers look like. For now. Really, yeah. what we're working on on this flight is presentation or this week. Let's work on presentation. Like I don't care how the maneuvers look or whatever. What yeah. we're trying to do is get you. So we did that. Right. We we got away from That's minutia so cool. little things. So we just started to work on three big things. And then we Pablo and I sort of worked on our language. So he would be like, hey. I want you to make it feel like you're squeezing harder out of gate six. I want this in gate nine. And I want you to be looking over here more in gate 13. Like, okay, got it. So I would go out on the track and like, those were the only three things that I would do. Right. And then just try to take those things. And then. Um, That's smart. It, yeah. And, that, so, and so then like. on race Keep it day, small like that. Yeah, yeah, you just had to keep like, and I'm a human, right? And so you're, you're going to make mistakes every race, uh, every flight. But what you try to do is don't make the same ones twice and recognize your tendencies. Sure. And then get rid of your tendency, right? Your tendency is to do this. Let's make was, sure we don't do that. What was your most glaring tendency that they didn't like, or, or as far as like your, your team that was affecting uh, in a negative way to flying or the results? He did it again. <laughs> yeah, no, like. We, I don't think we did, right? So one of the things, so a Rebel Air Race airplane. No, like were at, you too aggressive? Because you fly a very aggressive air show. So like as far as. Like, yeah, but I, so we, we we talked about that, right? So we I would have sayings in my airplane. If you looked at my airplane, um, I had sayings on the, I, I would put a new saying on there for every flight, right? Like be calm in the holding pattern, deep breaths. Yeah. Um, slow, slow, like slow and easy, whatever. I had all these sayings and they were always where I wanted to look. So they nice. always reminded me what to do on that flight. Right. So, and, and again, like I, I tend to be over aggressive, right. So 
like, um, like I, I have, we have books written, books and books and books written for every, like we did 20 pages of notes on every race. And then Pablo did 20 pages of his notes. And so it was everything that we took. And I just, I went, okay, flight one, flight two. And we just kept changing yeah. those things. And it was like, it was usually like be smooth. Um, you know, don't overfly all of those kinds of yeah, things. Be like, smooth let as the, you're pulling 13 G's. Yeah. yeah l- like, <laughs> let the, like, you know, let the race come to you. L- little things <laughs> like that. Right. So that kind of stuff. Right. And so. Um, mantras. Yeah. Yeah. They're mantras. And then, so. I feel like writing on, stuff down helps so much. That's just me personally. I don't know if it helps you, but like, I yeah, just to doing that, like, and like, uh, made such a difference. And that's the only thing. Well, it's the way that I can put it in my memory bank. And then I yeah. would write what, what I felt like on that flight and what I'm going to do on the next one. I did that with competition too, right? Like when I was competing, if I'm practicing at Warrington, like, I'm like, hey, worked on three quarter outside flicks with Sergey. This was the temperature. This was the wind. This is what it felt like. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't so much rudder movement, stick movement. It was more like, hey, I felt like I loaded the plane harder before I added rudder. Or or if I made the feel like that if I pulled the stick back in this angle, it felt like it exploded more. So it was more, it was more feels than it yeah. was posi- control positions. Yeah, like I couldn't grab your book and learn from it. Or you're not probably not, right? It's just yeah. my stupid brain. Right. So, but then like again. We, we, when you get more to the athlete side, so Pablo would coach me all week, but then on race day, we would have breakfast. And when I got up at breakfast, I would put earplugs in on qualification too. I would put earplugs in, in the hotel room and I would walk down to breakfast because I didn't want any note. Like I didn't want to hear people like maybe I just weak minded, but I didn't want to hear anybody's conversations. I didn't want to hear anything. So I just, I was in my own little space, even at breakfast, just people, I was eating breakfast with, and then I would go to the, go get in the car. And like, we had all these superstitions. So I was not, I never would drive in the car with, with, with the boys only with Mankins. So Mankins and I had to fly, had to drive to the airport together. Cause that was yeah. just our thing, right? Like you guys, you idiots go together. And <laughs> we're going to go. And, and so, and then again, uh, yeah, I take you gotta my, isolate yourself. Yeah, and I take my earplugs out for the briefing, put my earplugs back in, leave yeah. my earplugs back in, and then and I'd be sitting. So I would look at the I would look at my at my video from like my best run, and I'd say, okay, that's it. And I look at my notes, and then I would just sit there in my chair by myself, controlling my breathing in the back of the hangar, all dressed okay. up, ready to go. And Pablo would just like poke his head around the corner and he would look at me. And he'd give me a thumbs up, like, are you good? I'm like, yep. He goes, you need anything? And I'm like, nope. And he'd be like, good. Don't F this up. Right? Like, like, like <laughs> we, we, hey, hey, we've Break done all we, we can all, we've done all we could do. It's up to you now, idiot. So don't yeah. screw this up. Right. And, and, um, and he would, he would, you know, and we would, as a, it was really funny. It was again our thing. Everybody knows Jimbo, the guy with the big beard that was the technical yeah. director, right? Jimbo. So, yeah, looks so like he's, he's like from Sons of Anarchy or something. Like yeah, that. exactly. And so, like, we also only the only person that was allowed to launch me was Emily. Like, Pablo couldn't be there. Warren was on the outside, but like. Mankins was the one that had to close the canopy and lock the canopy, and she would tumble, she would tap my helmet twice and then close the canopy. And like that was our thing. It was a superstition thing, right? But also, 
we would tell Jimbo a super dirty joke, like the worst <laughs> joke we could find. And we're like, hey, Jimbo, you know, what did the old man say when he walked into the, you know, into the hooker's house, right? And, yeah. and he's like, I don't know, Mikey G, what did we like? And it was and it was our way of Perfect. breaking the tension. Like, that's yeah. how we did it, right? And yeah. then, uh, you know, and then I'd be like, and he's like, okay, you're clear to start. I'm like, get all away, right, all you idiots. And Mankins yeah. would tap my helmet. We'd close the canopy and then we would go. And it was just our system. We were super superstitious that way. Like she <laughs> had to wear, she had to wear red, like on quality and race day, she'd put red lipstick on and like, all week. It was really weird. Like I would put my shoes in the same place in the hotel and yeah. I would put my toothbrush in the same place. Like I can't move it to the other side of the sink. It that has to be there. Funny. Yeah. It was oh really like, we're a bunch of wackos that way. And, and, um, <laughs> but like, Hey, when you're winning, you're winning. Right. And then yep. you just, I'm not going to change anything. You don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I'm not this. I'm not this good. So whatever's doing, it, we'll just keep doing that. Oh right? my god! But it's so um, funny too. You talk about like having your mantra or whatever. Like, I was at nationals. I think it was like three years ago, and like you, you kind of like there's there's people that go to nationals and they treat it like a contest, like a regular like regional or fun contest, and there's people that go to nationals to win. And you know, the people that are going to nationals to win, like I I watch them and you know they're not their plane in time and they're fucking around and this and that and then they like fly and they zero and they're like i don't know what the heck like i always zero it's like and then i was talking to one of them and they're like what do you what do you do petro before you fly and i'm like well i don't know like i kind of just try to watch you know people that are better than me and, and like you know if you look at rob like do you see rob before he's about to go fly and they're like no where is he i'm like he's by himself focusing like concentrating you know like yeah and i think that's one of those things like that like reminded me of that with you it's like you know like the earbuds and and not talking to anybody it's like it's so easy to get fucked up and you put all this time and effort into training whatever it is air race aerobatics and like you know come race day or whatever like why take any risk of all that effort all your team's effort to have some some goofball or or something you stub your toe trying to do a joke like just take every risk out of it and just focus on what's what's the super why you're there you know and if yeah, you're there I, to win you get, that's what you got to do i think we're having this conversation about racing or competition but reality it's human performance right so yeah i'm sure like in golf they're like there's a tournament there's sunday and then there's the back nine on sunday with a lead right like there's a big difference yeah. same thing with tennis right and so like I'm sure all of those people have that and, and we all have to learn our own way how to be successful, which I think like you, rookies, there's no amazing rookie, right? Like it just, right. there's a process in learning how to do that. And whether it's race cars, cause how aggressive are you in a race car? Right. And all of those kinds of things. And I, I have to say, looking back at it, I can't say that it was fun. Right. I, I almost think like a race week was like going to the dentist for a week, but fun shit, na fun now. But it was, well, it was, <laughs> uh, it was fun on Sunday when you were standing up there shaking a bunch of, shaking a bunch of champagne <laughs> yeah. on your friends. Right. Oh, yeah. But Hell like yeah. the, but the, and then, and then when you sucked, like it was, it was as miserable as it could be and you wanted to shoot yourself. Right. Like, yeah. uh, like when I lost, 
I always had a smile on my face, but like underneath my blood was boiling and I hated it. And if I could do the whole Star Trek teleport me back to Boston, cause get me the F out of this place. I like yeah. I'm out of here. And there's, there's so <laughs> many times when like you lose and you're like, Oh yeah, I gave it my best. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, where the fuck is the plane? I want out. Right. And, yeah. and I'm like, Emily, get me a plane tonight. I want to be out of here tonight, but you're scheduled for tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, but I want to go tonight. You have and to do those know. cliche, and, like, you yeah. know, sayings for, and the yeah. post interviews like, Oh, we just, you know, uh, we just didn't bring it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and inside and you're just like, you know what? I just I'll blow this place up. I, I hate it. I just died. Right. Yeah, and, when you're super competitive. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, and winning was just, and, and it had nothing against, it wasn't really beating anybody else. Right. Um, Cause like when you're up on the podium, the other two people that are with you, it's like their family. It's like, guys, they're friends. Look what we did today. Right. Yeah. Like I was as could, happy for those guys as yeah. I th- as I hope they were. Well, there's nothing me. that you could really, you could see that they're flying. I mean, there's a little bit, we talked no, about I can't, mentally, like, but like, that's what's like, where it's like, it really like when you don't perform as, as you expect it, it's nothing but like you're a smart dude. Like, so obviously like it's, you know, the person in the cockpit or maybe a team, whatever, but like it's on you guys and yeah. it just sucks. But well, this like, really yeah. was a motorsport, you know, like, in like it was a sport, you know, it was more yeah. sport than anything, you know, kind of like we were saying, or, or like I was saying earlier, you know, it, all those sports elements that, yeah. that, that come from, you know, basketball, tennis, golf, any anything you can name it um you're putting people that aren't necessarily used to playing sports at a professional level into that world it's got to be completely wild i mean it's obviously the flying is is although unique isn't foreign you know you guys are used to precision flying everybody there was fantastic uh you know master of their craft um top pilots of the world but sure the sports element, I mean, yeah. really was a whole new thing and, and ended up probably being the majority of time, money and energy spent was that that kind of molding into the sport idea of it all. Yeah, but it but it, it was um, I would say it's not more dangerous than airship flying. It definitely isn't because there's a lot more spontaneous decisions made in a very short time span flying air shows. But as far as difficulty in flying goes, oh god, it was the hardest by a multiple of five or ten from wow, any other much. kind of flying I did. Yeah, like yeah, because because the concentration level has to be so high. Yeah, and there was only going to be one person that was going to be really great that weekend, right? Like it because but everybody but everybody was amazing, and like. Yeah, world class. So, so you know the whole G thing, right? So we were the way that it started is we we didn't have a G limit. People were over Ging. Uh, people yeah. were basically starting to black out. We had a G suit. Nobody, ha- everybody hated the G suit. We got rid of the G suit, but then they took the the G from twelve and brought it to ten. And then we all complained, and we said, "Hey, like that's you can't do that because if we're under load." And we're at 10 G and the airplane hits a bump. It's going to go over 10 G and you're going to DQ us. And they said, okay, fine. Uh, It's a 10 G limit um, for, but you can go over for 0.5 of a second. That makes sense. So 
what we all did was like the reason it went there was because of like an accidental over G and a bump. But what yeah. ended up happening was you pulled to 11.999 G's for 0.499 seconds. And <laughs> then you, then you let off <laughs> and then you relaxed to 9.999 G's and then back to 11.999 G Gosh. and you held it because the airplane wouldn't. The airplane wouldn't maintain that amount of radius. Yeah, by that time. Down, like, you know, whatever. But so, again, talking about recording. So our plane, when I was doing like whatever, 200 knots indicated, the, the, the turn rate at 12 Gs was almost 90 degrees per second. Right? So... Like oh if I showed you a video of the G meter and we used a mechanical G meter as well. I didn't have a, we had an electronic one, but, uh, but I used one of the big old ugly ones. Looked like it came out of a Sukhoi, right? Hell and yeah. I wanted it cause I wanted to see the number move. Um, but you could like, you couldn't, there, there's no way that you could actually modulate that. Right. So one of the way when people are like, Hey, it's all in the VTM, the vertical turning maneuver or the half Cuban, right? So one of the things that we did in practice prior to getting on the track, Jeff, you asked about training. How do you yeah. train? Well, I just went out and I would do vertical turns. I would do half Cubans, VTMs. And Pablo would be like, hey, sissy, that's like 50 degrees a second. That's not going to cut it. Like, hey, sissy, that's 60 degrees a second. That's not wow. going to cut it. Right. So what we would do, and I would, and I always started, I, 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 I sort of built up to it. And so, um, the, and, and our goal was like between 75 and like 85 degrees a second. And, but to do that, That's crazy, it's all instinct. So I just knew that if I looked out at the nose, I could pull as hard as I wanted to cover that point. And that was 11.9 G's, right? 11.95 G's. And so like in people like, how did you do so well in Abu Dhabi? Well, we just knew when we came through gate number three or whatever, that building, I could pull as hard as I wanted. And as long as the nose just covered the top of that building, you weren't going to over G. Oh, God. So but how, did, we used, but how to bring it that back? That is insane. Down. It's got to be so the hardest, what, though, to bring it back down to nine because you don't want to go so too it's, high. So, so what happened is, so so we are headsets. And again, like Matt Hall and Martin Zonka had a huge had a huge advantage because they're fighter pods. They're used to all kinds of tones in their helmet. So we ah. had we had a G-tone in our helmet. And we could modify it however we wanted. Red, Red Bull, we tell Red Bull what they what we wanted. And, and those guys would give us what we wanted. No way. So That's cool. I, now I can't remember. So like coming into the track, we, we would do 200 knots, right? So we would have it where, and it was ground speed. So you'd come around and the, and they filtered it, right? So the air, the, so the ground speed was, it acted like it was a little drunk. So it like, you'd come around the corner and it would be like 196 or beep. 197 beep 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 198 beep 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 199 beep 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 and then and your goal was to have it go beep 
at 200 as you went through the start game. <laughs> That's cool. right. Wow. And so the same yeah, that thing timing's was, gotta be so hard. Yeah, and there, but it, but again, it lay, like it was drunk, right? It was it was a little easier than you would give it credit for because it it wasn't going to go from one ninety nine to two hundred two. It just wasn't. It was filtered. So yeah. now the G's, on the other hand, was the same thing. And I don't remember now, but we could say make the make the G start at eight or make it start at nine. And I think what we did is we said make it start at eleven. So, or maybe 10, I don't remember now. Pablo could probably remember. So what happened was I would pull and then I would have to get the tone in my headset, a solid tone. That's what it was. I think it was beeping from like 10 to 11 and solid at 11. So I pulled as hard as I could almost. Yeah. And to get the tone. Beep. And then I knew about how long half of a second was. Yeah. In my and it just just my inner like my inner timing, right? So Pablo and I, what, when you asked what one of some of the things that we did on race day, how did I do it? One of the things that I would put in there all the time, and again when I wasn't so confident, the the, the my G pull, my rate of change would be would be slow, and That's that would crazy. be a huge thing. So we would say we would put on the panel, live within the beep, oh, right? Cool. So like. You had to live in the beep. Like you had to embrace the beep, man. Like wow. you had, like if you weren't, if the thing wasn't on for 0.49 seconds and then off and then back on again, like you weren't going to win. And yeah. like, but that, like, that's the psychology of it because the difference between 11.9 and 12.0 is nothing, right? It's all between your ears. So like, that's crazy. And and you and in the, the rate of change in the G change was so fast that like you couldn't do it. It was either like you had the self-confidence that I'm gonna yank the shit out of this thing yeah. and make it go and sing like magic, or I'm gonna over G. Right. I love how we're talking about like 12 Gs right now, and then that's not the main focus. The main focus is on like just knowing what a half a second is, but you have to know what a half a second is under. While while being under twelve G, like that's, under twelve G, yeah. which is yeah. so which like, is insane. Yeah, but again, I get it's one of those things when you're so in tune with the plane yeah. that it just was like like it could have been six G. It just happened to be twelve G. I mean, it sounds good, right? But I mean, I know it's a lot. It's a lot of G, but like it's interesting. So when you talk about the psychology of the race, and if you look back at races that I lost, it was because Pablo would be like, "You were a sissy on race day, wuss." Like. You really? fucked up. Like, oh man. Hey, <laughs> like, and I'm like, dude, I just didn't have it today. Right. Like, yeah, I yeah. just, like, for whatever reason, my hands felt like cement and I sucked. He's like, yep. And you were sixth. Good job, kid. And I'm we're like, talking well, like not staying on G for like a tenth of a second. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> so, so the G onset rate was probably 60 degrees and not 80 degrees. Right. Yeah. Or, or you pulled, you only got to 11.1, not to 11.9. Because ele- because literally, like, like I knew it. If I pulled 11.1, I knew Matt and Martin or Yoshi were going to pull up 11.9. Like, I yeah. just knew it. So, like, yeah. you had to pull 11.9 or you wouldn't win, right? And, and so, it, and that became the that must have become one of the primary I, focuses of yeah. how you fly a, a race sequence because uh, obviously every airplane can get through the start gate at 200 knots. That's not a problem. Yeah. But the ability to keep uh, speed up to then keep G up and then how you loaded that airplane, especially around that 
vertical turning maneuver. That must have been that must have really where uh, a lot of variability came in on winning a race or not. Yeah, I get like the reality of it is like <laughs> you you the plane always had insane amounts of energy. It was stupid, like, yeah, because in Budapest the track was straight and they were worried about over like going way too fast. So they they reduced the start speed to 180 knots indicated. And we're like, it doesn't really matter because by the time we get to the other end of the track, the airplane is still at terminal velocity. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like yeah. it didn't matter. God. We could have started at 160 and you're still going to be at like 220 indicated by the time you get to the other <laughs> end because the airplane just goes straight. It doesn't matter. Can you imagine them doing a Budapest race in America? That would never happen. No, I know it. Yeah, that was epic. Um, oh my was god! Epic. Was really so, hoping for that in San Francisco, having that going under the Golden Gate. That was I was really crossing my fingers for that. But yeah, yeah so yeah. I mean, not, like there, there's so much about the race. But like, I wanted to talk a little bit about like psychology because it probably relates to totally uh, everybody that's listening in competition and and it's not talked um, about a lot. Well, I have a no, great question. It's not. I have a great question. What would your advice be? Because I'm 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 a believer in that a lot of these self-help or psych psychology you know uh what you call it audiobooks or books you know everybody's so different so it's hard to get one book that you can't relate like because it's just, it's like a fingerprint everybody's a fingerprint with their own psychology i think so what would your advice be to say a pilot out there whatever they're or athlete um to get um teachings or yeah what would you I, have I, him or her do i, to get, I think you know better to read all those kinds of different, right? There's all kinds of sports psychology books, right? Golf is not a game of perfect is one that Patty Wagstaff had me read. And that was a great one. I had to read it. Um, and uh, putting out of your mind is another one. And it's really like, it's just, it all comes down to self-confidence, right? It, that's what it is. And, and how we, how we can give ourselves that in times of pressure, right? I think, yeah. you know, who's really good at it? Rob. Yeah. Right. Okay. Rob made an, a zero this year for the first time in a long time. And you know who else was good at it? Kirby. Kirby would never make a mistake. Right. Yeah. And, and so like those kinds of like, and I, and, and, you know, the bad part about it is I bet you Kirby didn't work at it. The guy's just naturally awesome. Pissed me off. Cause I had to work at it. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's like the smart kid in school that like, doesn't oh have God. to study and he just, just shows up it. like and he gets an a and you, you know you're at home well i I'm wasn't the one at, i wasn't the one at homework doing homework at home but whatever yeah but yeah. i know friends that did just to struggle to get a's i know um, a guy i know a guy <laughs> right and it wasn't me and so like that's the thing is like it it came hard for me and it took it really it took my friend nigel to be like hey yeah. you need to shut all that crap off if you want to be the best that you can fly, you have to like, this is what you, he's like, Michael, I know you, this is what's wrong with your life. Yeah. Fix your life. And I think that and, there's an oversight too, with like, it's not only training throughout the year, but like you have to, well, at least I think you have to figure out a way to get yourself at a level of, of focus or ability Right before you go, for instance, in an aerobatic competition, right before you fly, you have to get, be able to, from the morning till that time, get yourself trending up to that level of focus and, and ability right before you fly. And that's a really hard thing to do because it's a process throughout like hours and hours and hours. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the oversights that like, it's not like, oh, I'll take 15 minutes 
and um, I'll go in a corner and I'll be cool. Like, no, it's it's not. It's more than that to me. Like, it's it's just the ability. It's a it's a to win and and to be at a top tier pilot or whatever. It's an all morning thing, and it's it's the repetitive, you know, in nature. Yeah, you know, like in the air race, we like we were looking at the wind in Boston. But we were looking at the cartoon weather, like what's the weather? What's the wind going to be in Abu Dhabi? We're already talking about it. We haven't even left the country yet. Yeah. Right? And the same, and the same thing for me in air shows now. Like, hey, I'm going to fly it on on Wednesday at Oshkosh. It's Sunday. I'm already like, oh, it's going to be 96 degrees and the wind out of the west at 18. Like, okay, how? Like, I'm already thinking you're going to adjust your diet. You're I'm already your like, I'm just everything. adjusting. Like, it's just it just gets me ready to like you're you're just a little on edge until you like you're always thinking about it it's in your brain and your head's in the game well before yeah 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 yeah. that's a great way to say your head's in the game right and and, um and i look at competition aerobatics now and it's like with multiple rotations in opposite directions it's so hard right like it's so hard it's so hard to do and you know, when I go out and I do all those multiple rotations and practice them and, and like, because it's a new skill set for me, because, you know, we didn't do three quarters, one and a quarters when I was competing, you know, we would do opposite roles, but nothing like that. And it's fun. And I've been learning and, and like doing level rolls to the right and low, and then they're loaded and you got to go back the other way and flicks on hammers. And like Rob Holland and I were in Sebring last, well, two years ago and we were doing oh, I remember you know, that. three yeah, yeah. Three quarter flicks into tail slides and all kinds of stuff. He's like, try one of these and try one of those. And then, you know, and so it's really fun for me. But like, I watch the people fly unlimited now and I'm like, man, those are some super dead and even advanced, right? Advanced has always had more negative than unlimited. And yeah, it seems that way. Like the the long duration negative pushes in advance are like, they're mind blowing. Oh my God. Like, oh God. Yeah. and so, but it's so hard. And I, I, I take my hat off to all the, all the advanced and unlimited paths. Cause like, it's hard. It's really get, hard. I feel like you can't, you know, not to take away anything. Cause you know, I remember we, and we've spoken about the, the six figure freeze and, and, and that's just a rusty throw up on a plate, but right. um, you know, it is more difficult now with the K, but that's why I feel like the mental aspect of it has to be really more more prevalent because there's so much going on in these figures and not just the, the foundation of the figure, say like the rotation or whatever, but it's like, what do I have? You have to cheat the airplane so much more in unlimited. I feel now to get it to do what you want to do. And it, and that's all mental at that point. Like you have to yeah. be so far ahead of it and planning that like, it's just, it's just such a mental game. At least I do. I mean, I, I, gosh. Well, you know, I think like aerobatic competition has always been, to me, trying to paint a picture in the sky of what you think the judges want to see, right? And and the IAC rulebook, quite frankly, it's a guideline. It's not. Yeah. It's not gospel. It's a guideline. Yeah. Right. Because um, judging subjective. Judging is subjective, right? And I heard your podcast with Rob the other day, and what is it? It's a it's a hundred and eighty degree turn into a forty five degree. Um, upline and sportsman right yeah well okay so if you're a judge 
and you're in an airplane and you're high in the box or, or even in the back of the box, and you're going to do a hundred, a level 180 degree turn. What do you expect the airplane to do? Look like it's climbing or descending. Yeah, it's looking to make it descend. It, it's it's going to look like it's climbing, right? Yeah. So what do you do? You put the nose down two degrees. You make it look level. The judge doesn't think anything of it. And guess what? You've gained your speed, yeah. right? And and like and, and an hey, extra point, <laughs> and an extra point, and the airplane's going away from you. What do you think? Hey, you, the airplane descends. So the judge makes just thinks, hey, it's gonna it's gonna look like it's descending. Take advantage of it. Go yeah. down just a little bit more. <laughs> Get a like there's so if you read the rule book, yeah, it might not work, but you don't understand that right. we're trying to paint a picture in the sky, right? And you have to work all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it, like it, it's just more than lines and angles, right? It is so much. And I think oh, God, when I yeah. when I watched Matt Dunphy fly. When I watch Jim fly, when I watch Rob fly, those three guys to me, they look like they had an awesome nationals and they yeah. sort of, they were in control of the picture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and they Annoying. weren't a, they weren't a slave to the flicks or, or lines or whatever. And part of being not a slave to the wind means you're making the right picture. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And so, um, yeah, it's so. That's it's a, fun. The cheats are yeah. hard though. That's the thing. Cause it's like, there's so many of them when you get to the upper levels and like, not only that, it's just like, they're all different in different areas of the box and then at different altitudes in different areas. It's just like to be at, it's, it's, it's just, it's a lot. And it's so nice to see somebody like Jim Burke and, and Rob and fly. And it looks like they're doing nothing, but in, in their head, it's like, they're calculating a million different things. Yeah. To, to make it look like it's it's doing certain things. If it looks easy, it's probably the hardest flight. Yeah. I wanted to bring For something sure. up to you. What do you think about Mark, Rob offering free coaching to uh, Mark to go to a competition? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm busy that weekend. What day is it? What, 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 what's the date? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. I, I, l- listen. Will you offer free coaching as well, Mike? <laughs> So I'll buy all will... the free. I'll buy all the free snow cones you guys want. Like oh. Mark, all I can say is, we've all done it. <laughs> Jump in, the water's fine. Yeah, you probably right? do well too. You've been flying long enough. Maybe I don't know. It, and it doesn't matter. The like, I have to tell you, like, we we just spent two and a half hours talking about racing, and I love it, and blah blah blah. But I I love aerobatic competition more, and I'm always like. I think yeah. of a, I That's think of myself is. as an aerobatic pilot first and the racing was fun. And cause I just, cause I love to compete. It doesn't matter. Like I like, yeah. I like trying to be as good of a golfer as I can as well. It's just what it is. And, and racing in an airplane was that, but like I went to the nationals this past year and I loved it. It's funny. You were genuinely having fun. I had oh. a ton of fun and yeah. I was sitting out on the boundary and I'm like, I'm freezing out here, but this is fun. But there's an like, airplane upside down. Yeah. This is cool. And, you know, and and um, and to it watch all so the, fun. Watch all the college kids just completely cranking yeah. it and looking like that's the future of the sport. And and like, hey, listen, it is not a live or die sport for anybody there except for Rob, right? Like, yeah. hey, face it, it's his job. It's yeah. His, like I get it. It's a job for all of us. For the rest of us, it's fun, right? Yeah. And yeah, um, we got work on Monday. 
Yeah, everybody's you get like gonna go back to serving coffee and flying yep. airliners and teaching yep. people how to fly in cirruses and filling cavities or whatever else we're gonna do. And yeah. and um the fact that like I walked through the hangar and I like all these amazing airplanes out there. I'm still like a kid in a candy store. And like in the nationals, you always get there early in the morning and like the air is still that planes are in the hangar. There's an anticipation of what's going to happen that day and who's going to do what and how it works. And like, I just think it's, it, that must've brought up a lot of great memories for you. I, I, I literally would fly to the nationals. And when, when, Dennis in Texas would be in the thing. I would have tears in my eyes. Oh, that's right? so cool. Cause like, cause it meant so like at the time it meant so much to me to be there. Like that's what I lived. That was the whole thing. Right. And, and I love it. to be with Patty and Debbie and Linda Myers and Rick Massagi and Matt Chapman and Phil Knight and all those people and Bob Meyer and Robert Armstrong, all those people from my time. Right. Like yeah. we, we had so much fun together and we, and it was, we loved it. It was awesome. Do you think that there's um, ever a chance or any room? um, I know it's, it's not your, your question to answer, but just your opinion uh, with Oshkosh to bring back, not the stars of tomorrow, which I don't know if we spoke about that at all, but not tonight or previous podcast, but some type of form of, of grooming the next generation of aerial pilot, or was that just something that was like just didn't gain traction? And you know, you no, it was uh, you know, honestly, it was Sean Tucker's idea. It yeah. was Sean, it was Sean's idea, and then Hartzell Propeller supported it because Joe and Jim Brown are like amazing people, and they're like, "Yep," and their dad at the time who was alive, like, "Yep, how much money you guys need?" And you know, and we paid yep. for the fuel and the hotels um, for the kids to to, to fly and. That was really um, cool to see. I mean, I remember seeing really it and being like, oh, man. I God, Oh, I, I wanted to be my, in it so I bad. Would give both kidneys yeah. to be there. I was, was so cool. jealous of Nick Neumeyer. I was so jealous. <laughs> I, yeah. I couldn't believe how yeah. jealous I was. It yeah, was so gen- cool. And Mark and I have a hatred towards all of them, including both. <laughs> well, and, but look what it did, though. You know, it's like, um, you know, half or more of the people that were a part of Stars of Tomorrow are kind of still around the lexicon. Yeah. You know, you, you still talk yeah. about a lot of these people. Um, so it it was successful in what it what it set Gosh. out to achieve in my opinion. was on it. Yeah, David was there and and yep. um and Shandy. And so like the airshow business has to fix itself to help, right? Like right now, you're gonna go make, I don't know, two hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred thousand a year flying an airliner. And almost if you're breathing, you'll get hired. Yeah. Or you can go out and fly 18 air shows in a $600,000 single seat monoplane. Um, and you might walk away with 50 or 60 grand. You might cover expenses. And you're probably, you know, <laughs> you're probably going to wear out your airplane and it is crazy dangerous and all of those things. Right. And so um, I don't blame people that are thinking about it for not, cause it's hard, right? It's just stupid hard. And like yeah, I just, I just had it. look what you had to do. I mean, yeah, but like, I, yeah, it took you I, how long to get like a spot, a real sponsor, like forever, years. right? Yeah. Like fifteen years. So I, and you know, we had this conversation, and, and um, like I got lucky, right? I real, I got lucky. I, I, you know, obviously, yeah, I worked hard and all of that stuff, but it's luck, and and you're always working at it, and and quite frankly, 
again, I love it, but it is a job. It is a hundred percent job, right? The flying is the least part of what I do now. It's a marketing company with a plane, right? And and so yeah. unfortunately, like it takes some of the the innocence away from it, but it is work. It's a job and and but I honestly it should be treated a like job. a job. It's a, the well, people that it treat is. it like a hobby it's, or a passion or maybe the maybe why the air show's gotten where it's at as an industry. Yeah, I know, like it's just it's just hard. Like Nigel Lamb would say, Michael, you can do an amazing job and lose your sponsor. You can do a bad job and lose your sponsor. Right? It doesn't like yeah. they they run their course. It, it's so it's so finicky how it works. And so I think we as an industry need to make it where it's more it's profitable where like people don't want to go fly airliners. They want to go fly in an air show. And we're not, we're not there yet. It's so hard to do. I mean, there are the Kevin Coleman's of the world and like Rob Holland is the, he is the current generation of Gene Susie, right? Like he just is Rob, Rob's, Rob's sick. He's like, he's got an air show disease and um, like, and love him for it and respect him for it. Right. He's, as he says, I don't have a plan B. Um, yeah. And, and that's pretty awesome, but there's not many like him. No. Right. And, and there's not like, like, you like have to want it so bad. Yeah. You have to, and you, yeah. And you have to be able to give up like you gotta get lucky. your you gotta fortune get lucky. and, and then you got to get lucky on top of it. Right. So like the U S the, um, the ICAST foundation <coughs> is, um, the philanthropic arm for ICAST. And so we like, and I'm a member of, of its board and we do a lot of things. Uh, and one of them is like a family fund. So when there's an accident um, like we just had in Texas with the Warpers and with um, Chris Darnell, ICAST assists the families in whatever they, the foundation assists the families in what, whatever they want. So we immediately write a check to them to like, hey, you don't have to worry about travel expenses, food expenses, funeral expenses, whatever. Oh, I wow. didn't know that. That's the, amazing. Yeah. So the foundation takes care of all of that for these people. So like if their spouse can't work for six months or three months or whatever, there's money there that helps them That's get incredible. back on their feet. And, and so, and the foundation also is tasked now with like, Hey, how do we groom the next generation of airshow pilots? And that's part of the strategy of what the foundation is doing. And so, um, like the, I think the airshow world will hear a lot more about that. And so hopefully a lot of the people that, um, donate to the foundation will do so to do just that to, yeah. you know, maybe two or three of the kids that were at the, the nationals collegiate kids. Like they're the next generation, yeah. right? And hopefully the foundation. And so we realize it's expensive. So there are people that are, that have been very lucky in their careers to make money and they're wealthy, uh, that they want to help the next generation. So the foundation is the conduit to do that. So I hope that if the foundation pre- presents the opportunity to a bunch of kids to, to buy gas, to get coaching from professionals and do yeah. all of that, that the airshow business will continue to make itself better so that it is an attractive place for them to be. Yeah, and safe. And safe. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. it seems like it's just like, yeah, because, well, sooner or later, it's like you're grasping that straws to to find somebody to fill a slot. And, like, you don't want to get somebody just going to pick anybody. And 
put people at risk. Yeah. But uh, well, well, and that's what we were we were talking with Rob about the ACE program and how that and that's been an interesting thing. Just is just that's just an as a you know an av geek that program and and certifying um, airship pilots, giving them their cars. That's always just been something that's been interesting, and that's you know obviously that first that kind of gatekeeper yep. element, you know, to make sure that that aces aren't signing people off for for uh, low level waivers or or yeah. even giving them a card at all. Right. That shouldn't be. Um, yep. but- do, you feel, do you feel added pressure, Mike, to stay in the industry because you see that it's it's a little selective? To no, there's not that much supply. Don't ever leave. No, no. Well, I'm not going to do it for too much longer. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, so, no, I don't feel any pressure. But I think it went like. Obviously, I'll never stop flying aerobatics, right? It, like, yeah. if I sell my SC, I'll have an NG or whatever, and like, I'll always do it, and I'll and then I'll always be involved in probably when I stop flying lots and lots of air shows, I'll get more back involved in competition and helping local chapter and being more present at you know nationals and things like that, and and because I still love that as well. Well, does your school? You guys have a three thirty LX, which is gorgeous, by the way. It's yellow and yeah, it's a fun. It's one. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you guys offer? Uh, not to plug you. So right bit, now, right now I, we're just I doing. <laughs> yeah, right now we're just doing unusual aerobatic training, like upset training and performance flying for people cool. in Cirruses. But you know, quite frankly, it's too much plane. Like yeah. if you got your private in a Cirrus and an instrument, you get in an LX and you're like, holy cow! It's like trying to drive a Formula One car. So, but like, we don't want a decathlon. Like we're talking about the new Aura uh arrow like um the integral r like it if they get it certified and they know what happened to poor baptiste and all of that stuff like it's a sexy plane it looks cool it's side side by side side. yeah that's the biggest thing right so um we're waiting for the right plane like we live in new england an lx is not the right plane you can't go fly that in january just as like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make money, right? It's not a, it's not a thing. It's just for fun. It's owned by me and my friend, uh, Scott Johnson, who's owned a couple of extras and we own this one together. And it, we like, we fly it a hundred hours a year. We do a little bit of instruction in it, but it's, it's there just for the people that really want to do it in our school. It's not like we advertise it or anything. Yeah. Not yet. Um, not yet. Yeah, that's, I was talking to a, a friend of mine and, uh, same thing, like, you know, like the tandems are great for, for airbags, but like the, he uh it was actually scotty uh that mm-hmm. was talking to me and he learned his initial aerobatics in a cap 10 with uh the french connection with the french connection yeah and he was saying it's great because you're sitting right next to the person they're seeing everything they're doing and they're helping you like it's just it's a lot more intimate and and more yeah. learning pro so like yeah you know i think if i was going to get any i don't know what i would get right now but like for some reason i would i i can't get a cap 10 just cap 10 b just because yeah. of the wing issue yeah, but I wanted I to look into the Cap 10C with the new wing yeah. and the carbon fiber wing. So yeah, I think that's something more because, like, what's the? Uh, I mean, when you take people in a tandem extra, like, what are they? What's the? What's the fucking point? You right, know, it's like, so it's so far above their ability. Right, the flight on is such a, such a huge it's such change. a it's such a like. The, don't get me wrong, like it is an unbelievable airplane to give a throw ride in because yeah. everybody comes back like I need one of these, and I yeah, get all it. smiles. Um, so I'm probably going to go to France in late February, early March to go fly the Integral R. Oh, very um, cool. Once it's back done and, and see it and. And um, I, you know, they were at the nationals, as you know, and Vincent was yeah. there, and and um, and that is a that's a pretty going concern. And um, I guess they're fr- they're all friends with Walter, and like we need like everybody needs to do great, 
Yeah. Right. Like there needs to be American champion and game bird and extra and, um, and aura, they're all building these planes. It's good for all of us, right? It's the more aerobatic airplanes, the better. Everything. Yeah, we're, I absolutely. mean, I sure would have never built the NG if Gamebird wasn't here. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. But um, right. now that the aura uh, for people listening, it's basically a Cap Ten, but uh, much nicer and aerodynamic. But yeah. the uh, the fuselage on it is that is it wood structure or is it carbon? So I th- no, I think it's it's wood, but they've done a lot of carbon fiber. So in fact, the two people I know that are building the wings and the fuselage are the people that were building caps. That like oh, the, no head, way. Cool. the head of the cap factory, and and they are still building some of the parts in Bernay, which is really cool. Oh shit! That's uh, so there's there's the cap legacy there, but there's a whole ton of carbon fiber now yeah. um, designed into it, and and so forth. So it'll be really fun to see them in pieces and. All that. I saw a video of when Baptiste was flying it, and um, I was talking to Mark. I, I forget it on the podcast or off air, but basically, it looked like it was maybe like just a hair below performance of an extra two hundred. It was, yeah, maybe. It's I, probably I, fair. Yeah, yeah, probably about right. Yep, which yeah. is great. Oh, that feels a great niche. I mean, that airplane's yeah, going to be. Yeah. That airplane's going to be insane in Europe. I mean, it's gonna. That's going to be a, a flying it's gonna, club. It's going to dominate. Dream. Gonna, yeah, there'll be a lot of them, and you know, and they want to make electric ones, and they want to make one with a nose gear and all that kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, I um, wonder if it will force extra to make a side by side. Because I don't think so, right? Like, it's such a different market. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, you're right. think NGL and uh, SC and, um, yeah, I, I think I'm they're all going to keep the two hundred. Think around. they're all going to play in the sandbox together pretty yeah. well yeah and, and you don't have to comment on this but damn a lot of stuff going on with extra in the states right now um yeah moving factory yep. to, to the land my uh dream of moving to saint augustine is slightly malnourished right now because it might not be there anymore yeah you really said <laughs> yeah i know but, we'll uh, see I, I i think it's gonna settle out to be fine yeah no i wish it all i do i wish it all didn't go down the way it did but i think it will settle out to be fine and i did too i'm excited for them i'm uh yeah it's just it's an exciting time for aerobatics i mean game bird i i happen to really like the game bird um extra um people buying you know marco bow buying a sukhoi the canadian uh team just those guys are awesome by the way i'm following the canadian guys on instagram they're funny yeah they're great those guys are awesome (laughs) yeah it's i love them they're so easy to so, take on too. <laughs> I don't know. They're bigger than me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Luke going out and buying an SC, like they're just not. They're not playing around. around. They're not messing nope. around. And Aaron and that is, a, is their coach. Yeah, which is awesome. And that is a sick SC. That airplane's so beautiful. It's, it's pumped gorgeous, up, right? Gorgeous. Uh, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, but it's yeah, so cool. Ryan Chapman buying a Sukhoi, Luke getting an extra. I think I hate to say because I'm obviously I'm American, but I kind of like I'm. I would be betting on Canada right now. I think they got a really solid team. It's just uh, fun to see Canada sort of like so into yeah the the competition. Like I don't you probably yeah. don't remember Guido Lepore. He was a he was a really uh, good good uh, Canadian pilot. There and oh my god, there was a guy that I used to compete against that had a six cylinder S twenty. He was Jerry Younger. Jerry was awesome, oh, really god. good guy. Like, um, yeah, there there were some good there were some good people up there. Freaking amen. And yeah, it was fun. Well, dudes, it's been yeah. like we talked way too long, obviously. 
You getting tired? Uh, dude? This is only the first yeah. half. No, we're done. I'm done. I got to go to bed. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock in Boston. And, I got a pokeball um, waiting for me. I'm get a pokeball, right? All right. And so let's let's, let's pin the let's, let's stick a let's stick every a Midwest person thing. is like pokeball. Never heard of her. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's been a fun conversation. We talked a little bit about. I mean, Red Bull areas. We haven't had that conversation before, and I think it's far no. enough along now that we can have some of those talks that probably I wouldn't have talked about before. But yeah, it's yeah. fun. You I know, love in the it. future. Super in insightful. The future too. We should actually um, maybe in a couple months. Get you back on to talk about the sportsman sequence or the primary sequence again. And maybe- I'm done. I'll be back on in two years. I'm just rather I'll, yeah, I'll listen. We to get you him every guys. two years. Perfect. <laughs> I'll listen to you guys. We'll get David Martin. Get David Martin on next. He might say like ten words in two hours. Oh yeah, totally. would love that. Right. Dominate the whole. Podcast. Unless it's making fun of me, and then he'll talk nonstop. <laughs> tell us. Tell us about Mikey G. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. Where do I start? <gasps> And oh, you could man. get that clown Matt Chapman back on, but he's too busy playing with model airplanes. Again, he's not <laughs> and drink, returning. And drinking beer and drinking beer in Ireland. Matt Chapman is not returning our phone calls. I will say that publicly. Good, it's, it's good we, to be Matt Chapman. We have tried, <laughs> but he is in um I don't want to say a bad joke because I don't I'm not I mean I I know him and he knows me. I wouldn't say we're I mean I love the guy to death. He's freaking like an idol. But um I don't want to make a bad joke. He's too busy for I you. I don't want him to hate me. He's too busy make, for you. I'll send him some coffee, maybe. I'll send him a PSL. Mikey, he's, Mikey, you're you're yo. the man, dude. I'm not you're the man. man. I just I just having fun. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm still <laughs> having fun all these years later. Talking, I air, love it. Talking, air, talking airplanes. It doesn't matter what it is. So, it's so cool. just so everybody so. knows, Mike and I are on a video chat right now. Mark refuses to put the video on because he's probably just like doing something I'm naked. nasty on screen and yeah. he's breathing heavily. It's actually it's extremely weird. Yeah, there's a lot of hand motions. <laughs> but he's from he's from California, so like it comes with the territory. I get it. Oh god. When you fly to California show next year, you gotta go see him. That sucks. I'm yeah, gonna do three in a row. We're gonna go. Oh, you're in a T6. Pretty nice. Uh so no, no next year we're gonna What's next that year dude we're gonna doing fly. You. It looks like right? you're getting banged by yourself. <laughs> nice helmet. Um, so we're gonna that, uh, do that brings the go f yourself to a whole nother level, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I will see you, clowns. Uh, I'm gonna fly in. I don't know which order, but I think Miramar, then Huntington Beach, and then Salinas. We should. Oh, go you're doing Salinas three weeks in a row. I love Salinas. I haven't been there in forever. Harry Woodwell Long is one time. of my great friends, and loved it. I can't wait to be going back and. Oh, I'll 100% um, be there. I'm going to try to go to Huntington Beach uh, as well because that looks like just such an amazing venue. Yeah, place is sick. You got like hair gel in your hair or something white in your hair, Mark. Is that hair gel? I don't know. I got excited earlier. <laughs> you missed the joke. Okay. No, I got it. Nice <laughs> you dirty ass. <laughs> right. I'm yeah, leaving because definitely... I'm still in the office. All right. Working late. Mikey G, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast, dude. Yeah, we man. Love you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we got to talk Red Bull Air. MikeGoolian.com. At Mike Goulian, is that right? Yeah, something like that. Buy some stuff. Like that. The shoot Dawn. Him a, shoot him a like. <laughs> Go see All right. show. <laughs> Get out of here, Mikey G. We love you. Thank you for love coming you. on. Yeah. Thank you. Merry Christmas, you guys. Merry Christmas. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks. It All was right. fun. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And that's a wrap, everyone. Thank you for listening to this uh, two-part series with Michael Goulian. Hope you all enjoyed it. Let us know. Give us some comments and feedback. Let us know if you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. I know we did. Thank you to Lyft Aviation for supporting the podcast. 
Head over to www.liftaviationusa.com. Use the promo code FLYCOOLSHIT at checkout for 25% off most things on the website. Talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 